You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right, I'm here. Aaron's here. It's a football Friday. Stanford Steve from Scott's show on the Scott Van Pelt Show will join us uh, in a little bit. We'll do a bunch of college football, a lot of uh, gambling talk. Steve hosts the gambling show on ESPN. He's Scott's partner as well on SportsCenter, so we'll do that with uh, Stanford Steve in about 30 minutes. Um, I'll get to the Redskins beat Cowboys if here coming up shortly. I did this on the radio show at the very beginning, but since I have a chance to read it uh, in more detail, I urge you to read Sally uh, read Sally Jenkins this morning in the post. <laughs> I love Sally. She is fearless, and I don't always agree with her, but I think she's a brilliant writer. And um, she was writing this morning about Antonio Brown in a story titled "What What Brown Did Is Unknown, But His Hateful Language Is Damning." And the column starts this way. Skank whore here checking in. Dumbass bitch reporting for work. After climbing through the thicket of social media insults that regularly starts the day of a woman in a sportsman's business, I sat down to read Antonio Brown's alleged text messages to a young woman who was accusing him of rape. It's of course impossible to tell from the lawsuit filed the day after he signed with the New England Patriots whether he is guilty of that crime. But if those texts are his, he most assuredly is guilty of using language that countenances it And now he is in the position of trying to explain that it was just words. You want to be thought of as a good man falsely accused? Then don't talk like a crude, rapacious brute. Find a different expression. Search out an articulacy, something other than the tongue-tied, dead-end, vulgar cough that is the word bitch. And then she continues to go on and on in just a great column. Now, I read Sally a lot, but I think I missed her column the other day where she is a, she was essentially calling Brown smart for figuring out a way out of Oakland. Uh, personally, I don't think that he's got a high intelligence level. However, I think he may have been clever in getting his way out of Oakland. Anyway, um, read the column. Sometimes she just nails it and is awesome. Um All right, let's get to Redskins-Cowboys. Redskins beat Cowboys if. All right, Redskins beat Cowboys if. I'll get to the first answer on this, my answer on this in a moment. But, you know, Dallas is coming into town Sunday looking very much like a contender. I I don't know how many times that's happened in recent years. But off their opening win over the Giants and off of the way they finished up last year, winning a playoff game, then losing to the eventual eventual NFC champion Rams in the divisional round, they look like a an NFC East contender, of course, if not an NFC contender. The Redskins, of course, come into this game off of a very Redskin type of week where much of the discussion was about things that had nothing to do with the game last week or even the game coming up on Sunday. Um, We're going to try to talk more about the game today. Um, The Redskins beat Cowboys if somehow they are able to slow down the Dallas offense. Now, I would typically start with something more detailed, like they've got to stop the run. But the Dallas offense that got rolled out for the opener against the, the Giants was so impressive with balance on early downs, on on almost every down. They had seven pass plays in the game of 20 or more yards. They scored five consecutive drives, touchdowns. First time they've done that in five years. They didn't even need Zeke Elliott. He played 34 of the 62 snaps. They had a chance to take it easy on him at the end because they had such a big lead. But the Cowboys, make no mistake that right now, I know it's week two and I'm I'm trying not to overreact to week one, but they are loaded offensively. They have a very good offensive line. They have a top three running back. They have a wide receiver in Amari Cooper who is very good, had over 100 yards uh, in the opener against the Giants. Michael Gallup, remember him from last year? Everybody was thinking, or Cowboy fans were talking about him and his speed. Now he looks like a football player. Seven catches, a buck 58 in the opener. Jason Witten is back. 
he caught a touchdown pass. If you were wondering where Randall Cobb has landed, Aaron Rodgers' receiver of several years running, he's in Dallas. He had four catches for 69 yards. And then there's the quarterback, Dak Prescott, in year four. Man, did he look in command on Sunday against the Giants. They had everything in the playbook, and everything was working. He looked like he was a mature fourth-year quarterback. They ran a ton of RPO, and they ran zone read off the run-pass option. There was, there was play action. He threw for 405 yards, four touchdowns, in essentially three quarters. Had a perfect 158.3 passer rating. Dallas has an offense right now with its two best players, skill position players anyway, Dak and Zeke. Maybe you throw Cooper in there. But Dak and Zeke are in year four now surrounded by more weapons than they have ever had. Given the difficulty the Skins had with Philadelphia over the final 30 minutes last week, to me, this is a big test. Especially given that the defense, the Redskin defense, is going to be compromised by injury. John Allen is out. I learned that earlier this morning. He's been ruled out for Sunday's game. They may have issues at corner with Quentin Dunbar and Fabian Moreau potentially missing a second straight game. I know this sounds crazy after one week, Aaron, especially given that we were here a week ago wondering what the hell they were going to be offensively and thinking that they would be very good defensively. And by the way, I still think that they will have a good defense this year. This may sound nuts, but their best defense on Sunday may be their offense. And that's where I go next. The Redskins beat the Cowboys if they keep the Cowboys' offense off the field for a sizable time of possession advantage in this game. Something something like 34-26, 35-25, 36-24. I think the Redskins can do something offensively. You know, Dallas last week faced a giant team that got away from the run, and I have no idea why they did. They had success running the football and then went pass-happy with Eli Manning. If you think about the Giants, uh, the Cowboys defensively, in their last two real football games against the Rams in the playoffs and the Giants last week, they have allowed 424 rushing yards in their last two real games. And the Giants just gave up on it. It didn't make any sense. Saquon Barkley, five carries, 70 yards in the first half. Now, a bunch of those came on one run. However, the Giants threw it 20 times in the first half and ran it five times. I watched a bunch of the game the other day. It really felt like the Giants missed a chance to stick with the run in the first half. Now, in the second half, they had no choice. They were behind. Things got away from them. But it's very interesting right now about the Dallas defensive front. It is in a little bit of flux right now. Taco Charlton, remember him, the first-round pick from Michigan in 2017? He was a healthy scratch last week. They're down on him. You know, and by the way, as an aside, the Dallas, so if Charlton ends up being a first-round bust, He'll be pretty much the only bust in the draft for Dallas the last several years. Right now, and I went I went through their depth chart, 20 of their 23 top players were drafted by them. All right, the only three players are a couple of um, undrafted free agents, and then you've got Amari Cooper, who was traded for, and Randall Cobb is the only true free agent acquisition playing a ton for them. They've drafted really well in recent years, the Cowboys have. Charlton may be a bust. He may be the exception to that. But the Cowboys have really drafted well. Their team is essentially everybody they've drafted, plus Amari Cooper and Randall Cobb. I think the Redskins have a chance to run the ball. The the one concern I have, though, as I've always had with the Redskins' run game, is they don't have a good run scheme. Even last year on their big rushing days, it seemed like you know Adrian Peterson was doing a lot of it on it on his own. And they'll have Adrian Peterson on Sunday because Geis is done for four to eight weeks. He ended up having that surgery yesterday to the torn meniscus. Dr. James Andrews performed the injury. The Skins will beat the Cowboys if they convert on third down in, on offense. And that really you know leads to more plays and contributes to the time of possession thing that I just mentioned. They were 5-for-8 in Philly in the first half, 0-for-5 in the second half. 
Now, a lot of you will put that on Jay Gruden. You know, I guess some of it is like they committed penalties, but there were people running wide open. You know, Terry McLaurin had another 75-yard touchdown pass that Case Keenum overthrown, overthrew. Paul Richardson dropped what would have been a 10- to 15-yard move-the-chains catch. You know, you can't have that on Sunday. you got to convert on third down. you got to keep the ball away from Dallas. Dallas has um, an interesting secondary situation. Byron Jones, their first-rounder from a few years back, should be back for this game. They started Anthony Brown last week opposite of Awuzie, the other corner, who, by the way, number 24, he's good. He's big, strong, good. The guy from Colorado they drafted in the second round, I think two years ago. Byron Jones coming back off the injury, expected to be ready Sunday. A big key for the Redskins may be Jordan Reed's availability. John Kime was on the radio show with me earlier, thinks uh, thinks Reed will be playing in this game. I don't know if the Cowboys have an answer for him if he's healthy and can go. He could be the third down chain mover. Um, Dallas didn't put a lot of pressure on Eli last week. I mean, think about this. Eli Manning, right? Easy to sack. 44 dropbacks, one sack. And they knew he was throwing it. I love Dallas's linebackers, Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, obviously Sean Lee. But after watching the Redskins against the Eagles and watching the Cowboys defensively against the Giants, I think the Redskins can do some things against Dallas offensively. And if they can, and, and they can finish drives with scores, all the while keeping Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott and Amari Cooper and that offensive line off the field, they've got a shot. It's crazy, though, right? After one week, Aaron, thinking last week, okay, it's the defense that's going to have to carry them. The offense is a major question mark wild card, more likely than not very good. And trust me, I have the right, I'm reserving the right to change my mind completely on Monday about the offense, being cautiously optimistic about the offense. I am still optimistic about the defense, but I think in this particular game Sunday against the Cowboys, I think it's their offense that's going to have to be really good. I don't see them stopping or slowing down Dallas, especially with some of the injuries. Yep. Another way the Redskins win this game, and this is always one of those things that I think gets overlooked, but you know in every game there's like a a holding penalty on a big first down gain, and then they go to the analyst on the replay, and the analyst says, I didn't really see much there. It's a bit of a ticky-tack call. And you get, you know, a holding penalty, a chop block, a crackback block. You get a couple of those a game, certainly a half dozen of those a week, where you're like, ah, oh, that wasn't a penalty. And what you need in a game like this for the Redskins is for the Cowboys to suffer that fate once or twice. You know, where you look at the replay and you're like, Teron Smith didn't really hold, did he? I don't think he really held Montez Sweat. I don't think he really held him. But they got called for it, and now it's first and 20, and it derails a drive. You need one or two of those Sunday. They have to have those, not your team. Turnovers, of course, are always a determinant in these games. Um, The Redskins played in one of three games last week that didn't have one turnover in the entire NFL. Uh, They'd be well-served in this one to once again not give away the ball at all. If they get one or two back, that's even better. Um, and lastly, I, I went back and looked at Dustin Hopkins and, and Brett Mayer. Mayer missed eight field goals last year, including the, that potential game-tying overtime-forcing kick at FedEx Field in week six or seven or whenever that was. Dustin Hopkins hasn't missed a field goal attempt since the Houston game in mid-November last year, and that was a 63-yard attempt. So, you know, in a game where... Look, I think offensively both teams could have big days, but if he misses one and Hopkins goes two for two or three for three, that could be a big difference maker. Here's a stat for you, by the way. I found it interesting because I would I would have guessed the Gruden number. I would have not have I would not have guessed the Jason Garrett number since 2014, which by the way is the Jay Gruden era in Washington. The Redskins are 11 and 20 in division games after last week losing to Philadelphia. 11 and 20. Do you know what Jason Garrett is over the same stretch? 31 games. Take a guess. Redskins are 11 and 20 under Jay Gruden since 2014. Jason Garrett in Dallas in the division. Uh 
let's say 20 and 10. All right, it would be 20 and 11. 20 and 11, yeah. 22 and 9. Yeah. The best division record over the last five years goes to Jason Garrett in the Dallas Cowboys. Not the Eagles. They're 19 and 11, or 19 and 12, I'm sorry. The Redskins and Giants are 11 and 20. The Cowboys are five and a half to six point favorites. Personally, I sense a lot of pessimism from Redskin fans. I also understand that this game will likely include a crowd that is more pro-Cowboy. My guess is 55-45, something like that. 55% Cowboy fans, 45% Redskin fans. If I've erred on that, it would be too low on the Dallas side. I do think Redskin fans come to this game. Uh, but there's a chance. I, I like their chances to hang in there and keep it close. I know that this goes counter to most of what most of you would think. Aaron will understand this. Maybe maybe a few of you will. If the line had stayed at four, four and a half, I would have liked the Redskins more. <laughs> the fact that it's now been bought back to five and a half, six, means that sharp money moved it down. All right. A lot of sharp money on the Redskins early. And now sharp money's coming in and getting a really good uh, number with Dallas um, and creating a, a nice middle. Between you know four and seven, four and a half and seven, somewhere in that neighborhood. If you didn't follow that, I'm not going to explain it right now. But let's just say that I am less optimistic about the Redskins based on the point spread movements of the week than I was at the beginning of the week. The Redskins will not be included in the smell test. I would lean skins because I think it'll be close, but I would not make it um, a smell test play couple of other things just to keep in mind about this game, per usual. Redskins, Cowboys. Expect the unexpected when these teams play. You know, the, the Cowboy fans that I'm friends with, whether it's Clay or Kenny, um, you know, Lenny back in the day, um, it, it's Cowboy fans always dread these games against the Redskins when they're favored because it never seems to go well for them. You know, in recent years, you had the Colt McCoy game in 2014 as a 10-point underdog on a Monday night in Dallas, and they won 20-17. to You know, you, you've had games like the Troy Vincent block field goal that Sean Taylor picked up and ran back and then got a face mask where it added an untimed down in 15 yards, and Nick Novak kicked a walk-off field goal, and they won 22-19 to as a sizable underdog uh, in that one. Um, Zorn's first year in 2008, they were a big underdog at Dallas and won outright 26-24. Had a lot of these situations. Nothing, nothing more shocking than in 1995 when Heath Schuler got this start and the Redskins were 17 and a half point underdogs at Dallas against Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, that team, and the Skins won outright 24 to 17. There was the year that Marty turned the Redskins around from 0-5 to 8-8, and in the process that it looked like they were you know, potentially heading towards a wild-card spot late in the season, and they were 8.5, 9-point favorites at home over the Cowboys at FedEx Field late in the year. And Quincy Carter came in and led the Cowboys to a 20-14 win. I've had a lot of those weird, weird circumstances in this rivalry over the years, in this matchup over the years. I think... It wouldn't shock me if the Redskins win this game. I do think it'll be close. I'll have my Redskins score and more prediction a little bit later on in the show. A uh, quick word about mybookie.ag. You guys have been asking me about where to wager, where to bet, where to bet legally, where to bet wherever. And I'm telling you right now, mybookie.ag is the premier place to bet on all your favorite sports action, especially football, NFL and college football every weekend. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie because who you wager on is important, but who with whom you wager is also very important. You want to know that these guys are up front, that it's safe, and with my bookie, it's fast, it's easy, and they will pay you when you win. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with my bookie if they weren't the best. They offer everything: straight bets, prop bets, teasers, parlays. 
in-game opportunities. Right when the game kicks off, it's early in the first quarter and your bet doesn't look that good, that's okay. Jump in on the in-game action or second-half action through mybookie.ag. Now, here's how you do it. Join now and mybookie will double your first deposit. You use my pro co- promo code, which is Kevin DC. All right, go to mybookie.ag. Use my promo code, which is Kevin DC, to activate that offer, which is a doubling of your first deposit. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Please use my promo code when you do it, Kevin DC, K E V I N D C, and you'll get a doubling of your first deposit. You can trust them. If you've been looking for a place to bet, mybookie.ag is the premier place. All right, let's get to the smell test. Kevin looks where the John Q public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for the the smell smell test. test. All right, five and five last week, uh, six and seven overall through two weeks. Haven't loved the board in the first two weeks. I don't love it this week, Aaron. I don't know how you feel. Do you like a lot of games this weekend? Not a ton. There are a few games that are jumping out at me, though. All right, let's see if I've got any of those games that have jumped out to you. Um, For those of you new to the smell test, it's basically a contrarian handicapping style. I look for the games where you're convinced that Vegas has made a mistake with the point spread, and so you're going to bet on the the mistake. And basically, I don't think they did make a mistake, and I'll go the other way. I'll take your action and take the other side of that. And there's more to that. I've got some offshore uh, friends from over the years that know where a lot of the sharp action is, and that sort of all comes together in the picks that I make. Um, There's a Friday night game that I like, a game tonight. Uh, my two, my first two Friday night games have hit. I had Rice against Army two weeks ago and Marshall last week. Um, both of them hit. Um, I like Wake Forest tonight, laying three at home against Carolina and Mac Brown. Everybody's excited about Mac Brown being back at Carolina, starting off 2-0. and They beat South Carolina. They beat Miami. Um, and Wake's laying three. I mean, I, I think that the public believes that Carolina should be favored in this game. Um, Wake's at home. The game's in Winston-Salem. I like Wake Forest minus the three to win and to win and cover. Uh, Tomorrow, this may not fit into what you think uh, the smell test would have been because you're going to think that the point spread is right. Penn State's laying 17 against Pitt. It is the last game for the time being in this rivalry. Um, I like Pitt tomorrow plus 17. I think they may be a little bit better than people think. I think they're well-coached. And I think there will be a lot of fire in this game from their standpoint, a lot of want in this game, knowing that it's the last one with Penn State for a while. I don't know how good Penn State is. They're laying 17. That's probably the right number, but the public is all over Penn State. Give me Pitt. Here's a game. Eastern Michigan is getting seven at Illinois. Illinois started off the season 2-0. and All right. Um, Illinois beat UConn last week as one of the two games. Uh, they're favored by seven. Most people think Big Ten undefeated against Mac. It should be at least a double-digit spread. They're betting Illinois. Give me Eastern Michigan plus the seven tomorrow in Champaign-Urbana. Uh, I love Air Force tomorrow. They're getting three and a half at Colorado, the team that roared back and beat Nebraska in overtime last week. Air Force has one game on the year. They had a bye last week. They beat Colgate, and they're only getting three and a half in Boulder. Give me Air Force plus the three and a half. I like South Carolina on Saturday tomorrow, plus 25 and a half at home against Bama. Bama, it's amazing that the public can perceive a 25 and a half point point spread um, against another SEC team as light, as not enough. But that's the truth. Public loves Bama laying this big number. I think South Carolina might be better than people think. Give me South Carolina in Columbia plus the 25 and a half. One more college game. I I gave you Cal last week against Washington, um, and they won outright. I'm going to give you North Texas this week plus 14 at Cal to cover that number. That's one of the biggest public plays of the day. Cal laying two touchdowns to uh, North Texas. So I'll take it the other way. Sunday, um, three NFL plays. Um, I like the Lions plus two and a half against the Chargers who are banged up, but the public really likes 
uh, L.A. I like the Broncos plus two and a half against the Bears. Uh, after the Monday night loss at Oakland, people are do, do not like Denver at all. Um, they like the Bears to bounce back off the long layoff from that opener against the Packers. Give me Denver plus two and a half. By the way, both of those games by the half point to get it to plus three. And I like Arizona plus 13. The public loves Baltimore after the 59-10 win. And they perceive Baltimore to be at least a two-touchdown or better favorite. And they get Baltimore laying 13. Give me Arizona plus the 13. Real quickly, I do lean towards Temple against Maryland. But there is sharp action on Maryland. So I'm off that game. Uh, Maryland's laying seven. I didn't give Temple out. Some of you, I'm sure, thought I would. It's not because I'm rooting for Maryland. I've, I've given the smell test out against Maryland before, against the Redskins before. But there is sharp action on Maryland, um, according to some of my offshore friends. So I'm going to stay off that game. And then the Redskins, again, and I mentioned this earlier, they're sharp. there was sharp action on, da- on the Redskins early, but now sharp action coming back on Dallas late. I'm just staying off that game, even though the public really does love Dallas uh, in this game. All right, quick word about stamps.com. If you are a small business looking to save time and money on postage and on your the, the things that you mail, please consider stamps.com. We have, and it saved us, time and money. Stamps.com brings all of the amazing services of the U.S. Post Office right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices or an online seller shipping out products or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com handles it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail. And once you're ready, Just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. Now, the Kevin Sheehan Show.com or the Kevin Sheehan Show is using the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast is using stamps.com. We're saving five cents off every first class stamp and 40% off priority mail. It's a big time saver, a big savings uh, opportunity. And it's no wonder that over 700,000 small businesses are already using stamps.com. Now, my listeners, uh, listen carefully. Go to stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Use my code, KevinDC, K-E-V-I-N-D-C, and you'll get a four-week trial plus free postage, which includes a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Stamps.com. Click on the mic at the top of the homepage and type in my code, KevinDC. All right, let's welcome in uh, Stanford Steve from Scott's show. Um, he does Steve does does such a great job on that show. Plus, he's got his own gambling show on ESPN called The Daily Wager, um, and he's into this stuff as much as we are. I do love you know I love you on Scott's show, and I think it's perfect. <laughs> and by the way, one of my favorite things is the intro to bad beats you know the thing where Uh you're sitting in front back of the counter in front of a beat counter i'm just wondering (laughs) what is that stuff that was put together and laid out sort of buffet style are those actual beats or not kevin first of all it's awesome to be on with you you know i appreciate you uh anytime we can chat yes man like those are the real deal beats and i can't ever smell another one again (laughs) i and i were in that we were in that cafeteria for I don't know how long that day, and all I did was 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 smell beets. It was brutal. You know what would be awesome is if somehow you're sitting behind that counter and Dwight Schrute walks up behind you and starts serving beets to Scott, you know, as the beet farmer from the office, um, which would be awesome. Uh, you know what? He's apparently a sports fan. You guys should check into it if somebody hasn't thought of it already. See, look at what yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if our, I don't know if our budget can go that high. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was thinking about, Something first of all, you know, Maryland's got this big game against Temple tomorrow with the opportunity to start three and zero. And if they get it done, and I know you and I are going to talk here shortly about just the mm-hmm. perils of that game based on the point spread. Um, but if they get that done, are you coming down to College Park with Scott for for the Penn State game? Plan is to come down with the big guys. As long as Penn State takes care of business against Pitt, uh, I think we should be fine. But yeah, this Terps game has a lot of fascinating stuff to me. This week against Temple, 
And a lot of it has to do with the following two weeks. Where, you know, they have a bye after that. Right. And what would be an awesome environment Friday night that we're hoping to come down for. Yeah, that, that, that would be fun. We'd have a lot of fun. By the way, I just gave out as part of my smell test. I actually like Pitt plus the 17 tomorrow. Is that why you said what you just said? Like you said it as if you think Penn State might have some trouble tomorrow too. No, I don't. Uh, Felica actually gave out uh, Penn State. He never gives out favorites. Um, I, I was down on Pitt this year. I, I gave out their under six and a half wins this year. I just didn't like what I saw offensively. I like Narduzzi as a lot, a lot as a guy. I'm just not sure about a head coach. And they brought Mark Whipple in as offensive coordinator. They ran for negative yards in their spring game. Like that, that that's not a good <laughs> sign going into a season. Yeah, it's funny about Narduzzi and Mark Whipple, who was the head coach at UMass uh, for and got it going there offensively, really, for yep. um, a few years. I, I've actually had the chance to meet him a couple of times, and I like him, and I think he's a good offensive mind. I, it's something about, I, first of all, the public's backing Penn State in a big way, and we'll get into this in more detail here momentarily, but I just think this is the last time the two of them are playing, and I expect Pitt to give to give it its best. And here's the thing about Pitt: in the last couple of years, if they can run the football and they get into that, you know, running the football thing, they can shorten the game, which is unusual in college football. But you said that said about the spring game something that I didn't know. But if you do come down, and Maryland mm-hmm. does beat Temple and Penn State wins, um, you'll probably be there for. I think it'll be the biggest Maryland home football game in probably 30-something years. You know, Maryland played Penn State as a preseason number 7-ranked team against Penn State, who was 9 in 1985. Maryland was preseason number 1 on Sport Magazine that year, a Bobby Ross team. That was a massive game, and they lost at home. They haven't had many of these, man, in football, as you know. I, I was trying to think about it uh, this off the top of my head, and then I asked Scott. I just figured, you know, Bobby Bowden had to come in in the old ACC days that had some good teams, um, you know, back in the day. You know, but I just – the idea of Maryland, you know, having a ranked team as high as that and with a chance to beat those teams, I can never think of those off the top of my head. And then Scott mentioned an old Riley Skinner Wake Forest team coming in <laughs> uh, with a chance to go to the Orange Bowl. Um, and, and he thinks that's like the biggest game they've had where both teams were ranked as high as possible. Yeah, I mean, I, that was a game to get to the ACC championship game, but it was Wake Forest. Come on. I mean, this this would be Penn State, and you know, God forbid they win this game. If you look at their schedule, it would, it's, it would set up favorably. What was your you know opinion about Mike Loxley even before these two games? Uh, well, talking to Maryland people, obviously being around Scott every day, he, he wanted Loxley. And I know from the outside, these people, they still don't understand why he was the guy. And when you start digging in and you start seeing what had happened in Maryland when he was there, he's the godfather of that DMV area, man. Like, and I think it's, it's, it's proven. I, I agree. I mean, I'm listening to Scott. Nobody knows the program better, the school better than him. So I like the hire. Maryland was my favorite over bet this year's season. Went to Caesars first posted at three and a half. I said, you know, there's an outside chance they could be four and zero. And here we are, two and zero. So I still feel pretty good about that. But I like the hire. I I don't think he got enough credit at Alabama. Um, But when you go there and 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 Nick just has this stable of of resurrecting coaches there, that stuff's going to happen. And he's the face, obviously. But, I mean, I just, you know, in this little sample size we have with what we've seen against, uh, was it Howard and, 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 um, Syracuse. and Syracuse, you can't argue with what you've seen. But, it's uh, you know, as we get into this Temple game this week, that's, that's where I want to see him because there's a lot of stuff. I, I went back and watched last year's game, oh, and uh, I, I can't wait to watch what happens this year. You know, um, he comes on the radio show with me every week. He was on with me this morning. I actually really like him. Um, but um, the first time he was on, he told me the story about when he had called Saban to say that he was going to interview at Maryland. Nick said to him, why would you want the Maryland job? <laughs> and he said, let me explain. That's my hometown 
I've got, you know, I, my roots were at, at the University of Maryland. Ralph was, you know, Ralph Regan, and he speaks about Ralph Regan in the way that he speaks about Nick Saban. Like Ralph to, to, to Loxley was a huge mentor, especially when it came to offensive football, offensive preparation, which, by the way, interestingly enough, there are a lot of guys that were really influenced by Freegen, um over the years. Uh, but anyway, um, he, 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 Saban said, that's fine. You, you, you'll have better opportunities. He's here, and the best part about this, Steve, is if he is successful, he won't want to go anywhere else. I, and that's 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 one of the factors I don't think people look at enough. And you know, everybody you know can take their shots at what Maryland's been the last couple of years, and it's just not been a good run. But you mentioned Freegan. I mean, they haven't done anything close to what they did when he was there. So I mean, yeah, I, I can see where that influence is, man. Like you don't understand when you when when you have a program like this and it's as tight knit it is as it is and you have success, man, that stuff goes on. Those are lifetime relationships that go on, and people aren't going to forget about that. So if you can, you know, and then you hear the kids talk about what Loxley's done off the field and bringing guys together and just hanging out and being around each other, it's just something that they, I don't think they were they were doing a lot of. Yeah, and this area, I know that we've talked about it before, and you've obviously talked a lot about it with Scott. It is, first and foremost, D.C., the, the, the DMV, if you will, is a basketball area. I mean, mm-hmm. it's loaded with basketball talent. It may be the best basketball, high school basketball area in the country, but it's always been, especially in recent years, very underrated for its football talent. Like, you you look at Bama's roster and the players that have come from this area and some of the SEC rosters and the players that have come from this area and and that's what Mike knows too like he understands that the 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 Catholic League here which is the WCAC with schools like DeMath and Good Counsel and St. John's and Gonzaga three of those four being ranked in the high school top 25 to start the year like if you can keep those guys home you got a chance and they've got athletes too that's the thing that we knew watching them last year remember when they nearly beat Ohio State that they've got skill position speed and talent I don't know. I think. I mean, it's it may come sooner than we thought, but it's exciting to 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 hopefully have some success in football again, rather than just waiting for basketball season. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, when you look at, it, I, I'm I watched the high school games earlier this year, and I mean, I know you're talking about DC. I watched that team from Baltimore, oh, St. Yeah. Francis. That's one of the best high school football teams I've ever seen. They're awesome. They're incredible. Yeah, and they can, and I, I, you know they're one of those schools that they just decided a few years ago, I think, that they were going to become really good and got the funding, et cetera. They're not a long storied high school, you know, powerhouse like Dematha is in basketball yep. or you know Dematha and, and Good Counsel are in football. But yeah, they're awesome. All right, let's get to this weekend. And before mm-hmm. you give me some of the sides that you like, I was going to ask you, do you ever do what I do, which is like when I give out my smell test picks every week, I always have this bad feeling about one of them. Like there's one of them that I'm like, you know what, that's going to that's gonna be the wrong side. <laughs> but based on sort of the criteria, I give it out anyway. Do you ever get that feeling on Friday? Absolutely. I get it. It happened last week. I gave out. And you know what? It happens, Kevin, when, you know, I don't ever look at the times of games. I, I shouldn't say when I tally up my picks for the week, I don't put them in order of like, all right, this one's going to be at noon and this one's going to be at 3.30. This one's late. I never do that. And I think about it every week when I get to Saturday. But last week I had a, a really good noon slate. And I started looking, and I'm I'm looking at the UCLA. I gave out UCLA, right? And the line just keeps going up, and I'm looking at it. It, it, it was eight and a half. I gave it out at seven. I'm right. like, this just feels terrible. Let me just let me just a happiness hedge take San Diego State, and it ended up being right. I made a little money against one of my picks. So yeah, I, I totally understand where you're coming from because well, I mean. I, people don't realize when you're giving out these picks and there's not really money on them. I'd rather win those than the ones sometimes I have money on. Because <laughs> of course. Just, just the, the, your name on things means so much to me, and that's what makes this so fun and agonizing at the same time. What's your record through two weeks? I'm actually really pumped. It's 500. 
<laughs> I, I just I didn't I didn't like the the slate in the last two weeks. I had a chance at four and one last week. Uh, I had Nebraska money line. Uh, that was a, that was a pretty bad beat. The week before, two of my I went two and three, and two of my picks were featured in bad beats with Scott that week. So it's uh, it's been a it's been a a uh, 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 knockdown drag out and just try and survive it next week. So we're hoping we can get this thing jump started this week. Yeah, it's really funny that you said, um, you know, how you'll come back against one of your selections by the time the game's <laughs> getting ready to kick. And it's like I've done it so many times too, and I feel badly because I I can't come in then Monday and tell you know my supposed no. listeners and or customers. Oh, by the way, the thing I gave you on Friday, I changed my mind and won money. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, all right, who do you like this weekend? Who have you given uh, out go, already? Let's go to that Maryland game. Uh, I mentioned I watched I watched the film from last year uh, because it was almost the same situation. Maryland came in 2-0 and off a great win, Texas, and another win. And Temple was a 16-point dog. The game was in Maryland. And when I went back and watched it, Temple did a great job. Temple's got good talent, man. They yep. really do. And, they, and they've got it. They've had a revolving door for coaches. But when I went back and watched it, all they did was play their safeties up, Kevin. And that just really – and they had to do that to nullify the run game. And they dared Maryland to throw the ball. And last year with Kasim Hill, Piggy had a couple throws. They just couldn't connect. They took shots down the field. They could not connect, and, and Temple won the game. It was impressive in doing so as a 16-point dog. When I look at this year, we obviously know the upgrade that Maryland has had at the quarterback position, and they have elite talent and speed at the skill positions on offense. On the other side, I think Temple has the best secondary in the AAC. Now, people may laugh and say best secondary in the American Conference. Okay, that means something to me because that conference puts it up as many, uh, as much as any conference. And what I mean put it up is throw the football. So Te- Temple's got talent in the secondary. Actually, had a DB drafted in the first round last year, I think, by the Colts. So I think this is interesting because there's, there's more game tape. There's more, you know, Maryland's put more stuff on film for Temple to dissect. And Temple only has a, 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 a win over an FCS, uh, yeah. who was it, Bucknell. Bucknell. And then, they, you know, and they, had, and there's, they actually fit in the, in the criteria this week, a week three, that's very um, interesting to me because I always think you could find out more from week two to week three than week one to week two. And Temple had a bye last week. Iowa State in a huge spot this week had a bye last week. TCU, big out-of-conference game this week, uh, had a bye last week. And it was really interesting to me because Matt Campbell, who's one of my favorite coaches in the country Iowa State. At, at Iowa State, when he saw his schedule, he said this summer, the best thing about it, the thing he thought was the most important, his favorite thing, was they had a week two bye. And that just tells me that he's just the ultimate coach and just knows that he can coach his guys and will be ready to go just after one game against uh, an inferior opponent like Northern Iowa. So um, I, I just think Temple's in a good spot here. And and the right and, and it's just almost too good to be true. Now Temple can uh, can lose the game but cover, yeah. which means Maryland wins and doesn't cover. So I I think that's a, I can see like thirty one twenty seven. And I, the other thing that I, I got to bring up is I'm not Maryland's defense hasn't been tested. I know they got the two great five star transfers in, but there's there, there's there's got to be a hole in that Maryland defense, and I have a feeling we might see it exploited a little bit this week against Temple. Well, I mean, you can't even really uh, – you've got to discount everything you saw against Howard. Syracuse yep. – the the, the 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 irony about the Syracuse game, I agree with you defensively, even though that, you know, Keandre Jones and Shaq Smith, who didn't even play last week, who's supposed to play yeah. tomorrow, um, are really good. Um, I think just the best part about last week is they did it against a team that was supposed to be good defensively uh, in Syracuse. But I, I hear you on Temple plus the number. What else? What else do you like? Uh, I look at it. This is a little bit off the radar. You mentioned them before when Whipple was the coach, but UMass might have the worst defense in the country. Uh, they've given up forty plus to Rutgers and in, in a and an FCS team that's not supposed to be good in Southern Illinois. Walt Bell, the old OC in Maryland, the head coach at UMass. The roster's really thin talent-wise. The guy's a good offensive mind, yeah. but I just don't think they have the wherewithal in the roster to, to go at it with Charlotte, who's an up-and-coming team. 
young head coach who I really like, this guy Will Healy, he built up Austin P and won games and got screwed going to FCS playoffs one year uh, after they won, I think, one game in four years. <laughs> uh, they, scored, they scored 41 on App State last week. And App State, I'm yeah. telling you right now, watch out next week. They go to Chapel Hill. They could beat North Carolina. But Charlotte's got a lot of talent. They had their best year in school history last year. They were 5-7 and seven, playing in the Conference USA. They're given 18-and-a-half I had when I gave out my picks. So I think Charlotte has the goods to, to score plenty against a, an inferior UMass defense. Uh, so I like Charlotte minus the 18-and-a-half. You know, I gave out Wake in the smell test for tonight. I I think there's a lot of public – you know, interest in Mac Brown and Carolina and Wake sitting there tonight at home as a three-point favorite. I just thought that reeked a little bit. And we know that Wake Forest tends to be a team totally capable, you know, offensively unless they're playing a real athletic defense, which I don't know that North Carolina has. Um, give, me, give, me another, give me another play or two. And then I did not see winners last night. He'll tell me about it later, but – I'm sure he and I have a lot. As you as you said, we basically usually have the same games. Yes, you guys do. Uh, I'll give you an underdog I like, and that's Kansas State. Uh, they got the coaching staff from North Dakota State. Chris Kleiman was the guy. Yeah. And those guys are just, I mean, those guys are, They. I mean, they eat game film. I uh, talked to the staff, Division One staff, when they were at North Dakota State. They. I mean, they come in and they want to know everything. They want to run everything. They want to be as versatile as possible on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball. Mississippi State might not have their quarterback, Tommy Stevens, but when you look at Kansas State, the coaching staff has their handprints already on this on this program. Um, you know, they played Bowling Green and Nichols. Uh, they scored 52 and 49 points in those games. Uh, I know that's not great competition, but they're doing things the way he wants to. They had an average quarterback in Skylar Thompson the past couple of years against uh, with Bill Snyder as the head coach. He's the lead, he's the NCAA leader in in passer rating right now. They lead the country in minutes of possession, forty two minutes. So they're taking care of the football, and you're and they're playing great defense. They haven't won a non conference road game since twenty eleven, which was at Miami. But I, I think Kansas State they're getting seven and a half, eight in this spot. It's an early kick in Starkville. I'm not sure how juiced up that crowd will be. I think Kansas State can go in there and compete, and I like them to cover that number. You know, so, it would uh, be – what, what, a, what a great, you know, break it would be for, for K-State football fans to go from, you know, Bill Snyder to another great coaching staff, if that's indeed yeah. what they have. Because I think they've been one of the best coach teams under him for a long time. Mississippi State last year, Steve, I thought yep. was the best defensive football team that I watched week in and week out, including Clemson and Bama. Their offense was a train wreck. Um, but their defense with, you know, Abram and Sweat and all, all of those guys who are, you know, a lot of them are in the NFL. Do they still have a lot of talent defensively or did they lose too much? I think they lost a lot. They I, they, they could have lost last week to Lafayette uh, or what do they want to be called now? Louisiana? I always forget. Yeah. Um, but they, they had three uh, – Raging Cases had three red zone turnovers. So they went up and down the field. You saw in the NFL draft, you mentioned the names. Uh, they, they got decimated. Um, by by the draft uh, with their defensive talent, so I think Kansas State is like I said, they're versatile enough to go in there and, and score some points. And uh, Mississippi State has been prone to the to the big play uh, so far in their first two games. So I, I think Kansas State's a live dog there. Are you? Uh, I, I said this t- to our boy the other day, and he's like, "Really?" And, and I said, "Yeah, I don't know what it is. I can't explain it, but you know, in their first two games, for whatever reason." I'm, I haven't been blown away with Trevor Lawrence, and wow. and I guess I guess what it is for me is that everybody has anointed him John Elway or you know Andrew Luck like yep. one of these can't miss guys as a number one overall when he comes out, and I think that they offensively have just looked average average in their first two games. Kevin, I was asked yesterday on Daily Wager my thoughts about there's a there's a prop out there. It's Alabama and Clemson versus the field. And I took – before the season, I took the field. I actually have Georgia to win the national championship. So I like the field. And it's funny you mention that because Felik and I also talked about it on our podcast with Bama and Clemson. Something just doesn't yes. look right. Bama, 
Bama has two freshman linebackers. I thought the secondary would be way more dominant. And Clemson, you know what you're getting, man. He's going to take shots. They hit a couple last week with those. I mean, they got some ultra beasts at wide receiver. You know that. Yeah. But Lawrence, even against Georgia Tech, that pick, that pick that should have been a pick six before the half was a terrible throw. Uh, it looks like he's some, you know he's got some predetermined things. Now, when you look ahead, especially tomorrow night, I think they're licking their chops to go into something that could be a supposed hostile environment. I mean, it's nothing that these guys have never seen before. So I, I, I totally get what you're seeing. I'm seeing the same thing because, I don't know, I, I mean, being selfish, I want more. You know, if, it, if it's going to be Clemson and Bama, like everybody said before the season, then I want to see some. I want to see some. I want to see them burying teams, and I want to see them looking as good as they should be with all the hype they've got. Yeah, I think there's some of that. I think that I I really would love to see new blood when we get to the playoff. But you mentioned Bama, and that's where I was going to go next, actually, because I was going to say to you, I I, I actually like South Carolina tomorrow plus the twenty five and a half, and that's uh-huh. the one, by the way, that I I you know. I can tell you right now, when the game kicks, I'm going to be like, why did I do this? Like, you know, it's going to be 28 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Um, but I, I the, the, the Duke game was misleading. Cutcliffe actually yeah. had that team ready. They moved the football a little bit in the first half. It was only 14-3 to at halftime. It got away from them in the second half, but I didn't think Bama was, like, so overwhelming in that game. Obviously, the speed at wide receiver in particular and some of those, you know, if Judy touches it, forget it. But yeah. I don't think that they look like a team that that can't be tested. And they're going to have opportunities, certainly when we get to, you know, the game against LSU, and that's a team I love right now. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, South Carolina, you mentioned that game. I, th- I went back and looked because I always were like, I like New Mexico State. If somebody told me I had to pick that game last week against Bama, and you, and just because we've seen, just because we've seen what Saban does in that second half. So I went back and I looked at some numbers. I believe Saban, when he's given twenty to twenty nine and a half points, so given twenty points, whatever in the in the twenties, he's twenty four and eight. So that's seventy five percent. Yeah. Um, but when I talk to like NFL guys. You know that that went to spring ball. They like the talent uh, South Carolina has in their secondary. So they're starting a tr- uh, freshman quarterback who's going to be a stud, uh, the Holinsky kid. Um, I, I what you have to do is is keep Alabama off the field, and I can see that possibly with South Carolina. You know, working the quarterback into the run game and just trying to move the chains here. You know, the crowd will be jazzed up. You know, at the beginning of the game. If they could, if they could do what Duke did in the first half, uh, you gotta like your chances going to the second half. Knowing you got a home crowd. Um, did you say that you thought with the week off, and I'm looking at this game right now, that Gary Patterson's TCU squad is going to go into West Lafayette and win big? Because that uh, line, by the way, opened up at, at Purdue minus one, one and a half, and now TCU's a two point favorite. Yeah, that has to do with the injury to the quarterback Sindelar. From oh, Purdue, that's right. He's their most important player. I don't like the game at all. I think there's too much unknown. TCU's offense has just been not what I thought it would be if Patterson's the head coach there. I just thought they'd be better. He's a better head coach. Uh, I think he's run into some um, character issues off the field with talent that he's recruited, which never seemed to be the case when he he had this thing rolling and they were going to BCS games. So I don't don't like that spot. I, I didn't think much of Purdue coming into this year. They were a huge uh, bet for me under seven and a half wins this year, uh, which was nice to see that Nevada uh, win that they that Purdue just. I mean, I don't know if you saw any of that game, but I did. That really, uh, Purdue was winning the whole game, and their best player, Rondell Moore, who's as good awesome. as anyone in the country, tried fielding two punts and just totally and muffed them both and totally just turned the whole game around. And Brom gets the gets the uh, bad words for that one. That was totally on the players. But uh, I don't like that TCU Purdue game. One last thing um, on Saturday, I think this uh-huh. this SC BYU game is going to be very interesting because <laughs> SC really hammered Stanford in the second half last yep. week. And the guy that replaced JT Daniels, his name is Slovis, went twenty eight to thirty three and threw for like nearly four hundred. 
And Clay Helton's under all this pressure, and everybody's convinced that Urban Meyer's going to end up in, in L.A. next year uh, to take that job. If This is a tricky spot because BYU's good. The line's short. If they win this game, I think I think it'll tell you something that, that about SC that they may be a lot better than people think. Absolutely, I, I, I mean, thanks for uh, reliving the Stanford loss last week. I watched every snap <laughs> yeah, of I know. it, so I know all about Keaton Slovis right now. Um, I actually talked Greg McElroy and Dave Pash are calling this game, and I was talking to McElroy yesterday. The, the the issue here is. You look at, and he did BYU-Tennessee last week, so he's like, BYU got pushed around by Tennessee for three quarters, which is not really impressive. And then you watch Stanford against SC, and SC did whatever they wanted on the perimeter. SC's got serious, serious talent at the wide receiver position. And BYU does not have – you need two corners against USC to really, you know, frustrate this young quarterback. I don't think BYU has won. Now, when you go to this in, in the 330 game, it's in Provo. They'll be jazzed up after a big win against an SEC school. You, stuff's going to happen on the road. A freshman quarterback's going to face adversity. Do they get out of that adversity with big plays where, you know, they sure throw some short hitches and, 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 you know, these NFL receivers break, you know, big yards after catch? That's That's what seems to – to be the key to, to get things you know going for these young quarterbacks if they could get some of those but I, I don't like the game at all Van Pelt did give out BYU uh, this could be a, a field goal game for sure which means BYU plus four is, is, is cashes a ticket for you so it, it re- it's one of the most interesting games to me tomorrow and I can't wait to watch it because of the stuff I explained and I just there's a lot to play out that I haven't seen before, and I'm, I'm excited to see how it does play out. All right, I did. I haven't talked to him, and I didn't see winners last night, so let me guess. He had Air Force, didn't he? He sure did. Um, did he have North Texas? He did not. Uh, you said he had BYU. What about Eastern Michigan? Did he have Eastern Michigan? No, they almost made the list. Do you have his picks or not? Uh, I believe I can rattle them off there with the slate in front of me. Okay. Um, let's go. He's he had West Virginia. They that that line reeks. They stink, As, by the way. <laughs> they are awful. They are terrible. The but one, that line that done that line looks short. The NC State line six and a half. All right, so he's yeah, West Virginia, Air Force. Yep. I think you mentioned them before. Stanford, BYU, Tulsa. They stink. Um. <laughs> Going down the list there. Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee. Yep. And is that seven? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six so far. Oh, he had his favorite pick, and it's terrible. UCLA. Oh, my God, against Oklahoma. What is that number, 24? 23 and a half, I think we gave it at. Mm. You know, good. I mean, I was, I'm was. i always hopeful that UCLA and USC will be good. And they actually had a legit shot at Cincinnati in that opener. You know, they they, they, they turned it over. They had a, 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 a return that could have scored. They were in that game. But you can't lose to San Diego State at home the next week. No, you cannot do that. And they did that in as, as ugly a fashion as you possibly could. Now, they... They covered against uh, Oklahoma in Norman last year, so you have that going for you. If that if that floats your boat, well, oh, it had to be like a thirty plus last year in Norman, right? It was thirty. They lost by tw- uh, or no, you know what? I think it was only, I think it was twenty, and they lost forty nine thirty one. If that makes sense. <laughs> Oh my God! Awful. Um, do you ever look at the NFL board and do anything with it or not? I look at the NFL board on Sunday mornings, Kevin. I just there's so much. I mean, I, I mean, you're in an NFL town. You do it on a daily basis. I can't do it, man. the The news and how it changes, whether it's players updating status or who's in and who's out or who's supposed to win or who's got a trap game. It changes every day of the week. So I try and, you know, I obviously see the headlines doing what I do, um, but I wait until Sunday morning 
Uh, love Cincinnati last week. They got me a winner. And uh, I had Detroit first half, which I loved. Um, well, I'm looking works. this week. The Bengals might not ever be favored again, so you figure you got to take them, right? Yeah, against a team that played, you know, Jameis Winston throwing it to, to, to their team four times in the game. I, I mean, the and Bengals the Giants. are Giants. You got to take the Giants. I actually like them. I like them. I did okay. not give them out. I like the I, I like the Lions a little bit this week at home against the Chargers. I like the Broncos okay. a little bit at home against the Bears. And uh, to me, the one you know, after Baltimore did what they did to Miami, laying less two t- less than two touchdowns, I've got Arizona this week covering the thirteen somehow. I don't know how it happens, but um. <laughs> somehow I somehow I don't I can't imagine that my guy's gonna have anybody on the Cardinal Sunday except for me. Um, All right. So there you go. Uh great catching up. If Maryland wins tomorrow and you guys are coming down, I'll be with you and hang out with you uh in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. I can't wait for it. All right. Thanks, Steve. You got it. Uh, I loved that conversation with Stanford Steve. He's one of the great guys. He is a perfect perfect uh, guy to go with Scott on Scott Sports Center and obviously a huge college football fan and follow him on Twitter at Stanford Steve 82 watch him with Scott on Sports Center he does a podcast with the bear um, Chris Felica and he does that show the daily wager on ESPN uh, every day as well um, great dude love him and love to talking some college football and gambling with him all right um real quickly um you know sort of a, a quick version of the NFL quick picks because we're we're running over here the game of the weekend without question is Ram Saints this is the rematch of the NFC title game this is the game that you know sent New Orleans into a frenzy and had them hiring attorney after attorney. I mean, seriously, if you listen to Saint fans after the NFC title game, you would have thought football ended on that day because it was so wrongful what happened to them. Um, I hope the Rams win and win big, um, but that is the game of the week. The team that I'm most interested in watching this weekend is Maryland because they might be the real deal here. And we're going to find out tomorrow at Temple, a good team, a rested team, a team that's got athletes uh, to potentially match Maryland's athletes. And if the Terps win that one, they have already, Aaron, planned to add a 1,000 additional seats at the stadium for the Penn State game, which would be a complete sellout on a Friday night, September 27th. Um, teams on upset alert, I mentioned uh, the Ravens, and I think Penn State is to a, to a certain degree. I would not be shocked if Pitt really hangs in there. I gave them out uh, in the smell test. Um, wanted to mention real quickly that Anthony Rendon, and I want to get your thoughts on this, you know, after last night and he hit his 33rd home run, and with Christian Yelich missing the rest of the season, they beat the Twins, by the way, last night 12-6, do you think he's got a shot now at the MVP? His numbers compared to Bellinger's, uh, he doesn't have as many home runs. Bellinger's got 44 home runs. Rendon's got 33. He's got more RBIs than Bellinger, 117 to 107. He's leading the National League in batting average. His on-base percentage is better than Bellinger's. His slugging percentage is basically equal. His OPS is a little bit better than Bellinger's. Do you think Rendon's got a shot to win the MVP? I, I, you know, I brought him up. I definitely think that the Elch injury made his case a lot better because, you know, as of a week ago, it was clearly Bellinger, Yelich, one, two, and then Rendon, kind of a distant three. I wouldn't bet on him winning it, but I think he is going to get a, at least a few uh, first place votes. I think he's going to get a lot of first place votes. Now, you could make the case that Yelich, if he misses, you know, he's going to miss these final 20 some games with the injury, that he actually has had a better year. And remember, Rendon missed some games too. Right. There for a while. Um, it's going to be interesting. The Nats' uh, lead on the, in the wild card race is still three and a half games. And they're starting this series that we were hoping, you know, three weeks ago would be a very important series against Atlanta, but they're eight and a half behind the Braves. So even if they swept the Braves, they're not going to win the division. Um, the NFL game last night, I just wanted to mention this. I love Todd Bowles. I've always loved Todd Bowles. He's a great defensive mind. He's got Tampa as a much improved defensive team. And if Jay Gruden doesn't make it, Todd Bowles would be near the top of my list as head coaches to replace him. Uh, I just think he's a brilliant defensive mind. The Redskins desperately wanted to hire him, as we know in the offseason, to replace Minuski. 
um, didn't happen. He's down in Tampa with Bruce Arians, who he's, who he was with in Arizona. Um, I just like Todd Bowles a lot. All right, let's finish up with Redskins score and more. Time to settle the score. It's score and more. I, I like the Cowboys to win the game, but I think this is going to be a very good game. Uh, I like the Cowboys 31-28. to The footnote would be das- Dak Prescott scores on a fourth and goal from the one. They ke- he keeps it with less than a minute to go to give him the lead 31-28. Um, I think the Redskins are going to be good offensively in this game. What a change in one week. I think they're going to score. I think they're going to move the football. I just think with some of their injuries and some of the issues they have right now defensively, I still think... I'm beating a dead horse here. I still think the Redskins will end up having a good defense. I think it's a bad matchup for their defense Sunday against the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys score. I think the Redskins score. I think it's a compelling game, a a really good game for Week 2. They come up a little bit short for the second straight week, losing 31-28 to at home. Um, Thanks to Stanford Steve for joining us on the show today. Thanks to Aaron for joining us here on the show and producing the show uh, per usual. Listen to the radio show. I'm back on radio at 980, 7 to 10 a.m. Uh, weekday mornings. Uh, good NFL, good college weekend. You know, a couple games here and there. Looking forward to it. I'll be back on Monday with the Skins Cowboys recap. Enjoy the weekend, everybody.